Hello everyone, this is Bola from CleverGirlFinance.com and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So on today's episode, I have another special guest. Her name is Tanya Rapley and she's the founder of MyFab Finance. And I had a great conversation with Tanya where we talked about how to be successful with your personal finances and also in your business if you're a business owner. We talked about Tanya's personal story and the makings of her business, MyFab Finance, and also what it took for her to launch it. We also talked about her relationship and how she manages money with her husband, what it really means to walk in purpose, as well as having compassion and grace in business. And alongside Tanya's personal story, we discussed business, personal finances, and relationships in general. For instance, we talked about things like who you need to have in your corner when you're running a business, how to deal with difficult times, how to deal with difficult people, because sometimes we all experience those type of people in our lives, how to stay grounded, and how to manage your money with your partner, and so much more. It was a great conversation. But before we get into this episode, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, I would love it if you do. You can subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and you can also listen to episodes of the podcast on YouTube on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube and search Clever Girl Finance and please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend about it. Also, head over to my website at clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well so you can get access to my awesome resource library and to join the private Clever Girl Finance Facebook group. And if it's been a while since you stopped by the website, stopped by the blog, there is a ton of new content that is going to help you work on improving your finances. And finally, if you're looking for some accountability when it comes to improving your finances and you want to be part of a group of like-minded women who are working towards similar financial goals of ditching debt, saving money, and building real wealth, then I'd love for you to check out my accountability program and you can learn more about it at clevergirlfinanceacademy.com. Let's get into today's episode. So welcome, Tanya. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, This is our second time recording, (laughs) thanks to technical glitches, but I'm excited that we finally get to talk and share your amazingness with my audience. We're going to get it and this is going to be the best (laughs) podcast ever. So for the for the folks who are listening that don't know who you are, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, tell them who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, my name is Tanya Rapley. I am the founder and creator of MyFab Finance, which I created in 2013, which is a personal finance and lifestyle, lifestyle blog um, with the mission of helping millennial women of color break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck so that they can do more of what they love. And I love that. I love my fab, my fab finance and what you do. And I love the mission. I'm on the same mission as you, empowering women to build wealth and, you know, get to the point where they're comfortable, comfortable about their finances. Mm-hmm. But you have a really um, interesting personal story. And I wanted you to share your personal story. And also, how did you start my fab finance? Where did the idea come from? And what led you what got you up to that point where you were like, okay, I'm going to do this? Yeah. I mean, my story definitely um, is not the traditional route to financial freedom. Um, I work for a financial educator. I grew up to two military parents, ended up, um, lived a good, comfortable life. Like I'm definitely not the person who's like, I struggled all my life. I had to fight. Wasn't that for me? <laughs> um, definitely lived a, a pretty good, stable life, but went off to college and made a few mistakes. And as a result of those mistakes, um, I ended up paying for them for years. Um, One of them was I ended up getting into a relationship that was financially and emotionally abusive. And so during that time, um, 
all the financial work that I had put in up until that point, I mean, I was about 21. That was from my age of 21 to 23. All the financial work that I had put up into that point basically went down the drain. And it was like, I was starting over with a dirty slate. So my slate definitely wasn't clean as it is like when we turn 18. Um, so fast forward a couple years, I ended up moving to New York um, right before I turned 25 and was living my best life, doing anything I was big enough to do, but really ignoring the financial mess that I had created during my last years of college. And so around in 2012, I kind of had a moment where I was like, wait, Tanya, like you're a financial mess. And if you don't get it together, there are going to be serious repercussions. And so I made it my mission to get my financial life together and from that point, um, it really became my fab finance. Started out as my fab FICO, and FICO <laughs> politely sent me a cease and desist letter, like, uh, no, we <laughs> built this name. And so I ended up renaming it my fab finance, which is actually even better. Um, because at that, when I first started, I was focused on credit. Um, but now I'm focused on not just financial freedom, but owning our power, because I think that a lot of people, are struggling with defining their purpose, understanding where they want to go in life. But like, you know, there are people who are financially free, but they have no passion um, and they're still miserable. And I don't want people to become financially free and miserable. So I think the journey is in tandem and helping people discover their passion, figure out what it means to pursue that passion strategically, as well as without the burden of financial strain. That's awesome. And what you said is very true. There are a lot of people who are financially free. They have tons of money, but, you know, they're not happy where they are. And I think that when it comes to working out your finances and paying off debt, building building wealth, doing all these things that people want to do to get to the point where they're financially successful, financially free, there is a level of self-work mm-hmm. in the process. You have to look within. And it's not just following the steps of creating the debt repayment plan, creating the savings plan. That stuff is great. Mm-hmm. But if you're not reflecting on self, if you're not working on self, if you're not improving yourself and w- walking your purpose and determining what it is you truly want out of your life, then there's going to be a disconnect there. Absolutely. So that's really important. And I, I love that you that that's one of your your core points with your business. That's awesome. Thank you. So you run my fab finance full time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk, I wanted you to talk a little bit about how you were able to make that transition from being a side hustler with a full time job to being a full time business owner with my fab finance. Yeah, I run it full time, which is like, I'm like, wow, it's audacious. It's interesting. I introduce myself to people too. And they're still like, so what is that? What do you do? Uh, you make money doing that? Uh, so yeah, I've been um, doing my fat finance full time since 2013. And um, I would say one of the biggest things was communication with my husband and communication with myself um, and being honest about where I was with my business and what needed to improve in order for me to make it a full time um, job. But also with my husband, um, I think that everybody has different situations and people often ask me, you know, what do I need to do to prepare? And it depends based on your situation because some people have support and some people don't have support. Um, For me, it was like talking to my husband and saying, hey, this is something I'm going to do full time. Um, We're going to have to reorganize the finances. You might have to pick up more of the household overhead in order for this to happen. And um, so we just basically we adjusted our life. We cut back on a few things, which is interesting because we were paying for a wedding cash 
the time that I resigned from my job. And so I remember um, like around our wedding was in February and I remember last week of December, he was like, uh, yeah, I don't know why you thought it was a good idea to resign from your job while we were doing this, but you're doing it. You did it. Um, and so, um, during that time, it really was building up my additional revenue streams for my fab finance, figuring out the different ways I could make money and pursuing those different revenue streams, um, as well as, um, creating systems in my business that allowed me to bring in revenue consistently. So, um, it really was, I'm not a systems person. So it was getting like figuring out like, okay, how do I make this easier so that I could do more of it? But also in the same sense, um, there was a lot of self-work that I had to do. As you mentioned, the self-work that you do when you're on your financial journey, there's self-work when you become an entrepreneur and do it full time because it's scary. Um, and anyone who tells you it's not scary probably has a, a pair, like, you know, a cushion, but I know people, you know, who make, you know, a million dollars a year and it's still scary because you're always waking up wondering like, is this going to all end one day? Like what happens yeah. when people don't care about financial literacy anymore? Or, you know, what happens, you know, like what happens if I'm not the it person anymore? You know, like everybody I think has certain fears. And so, um, it was a lot of self-work and, um, and it continues to be self-work and continue to work at discipline. One of the best pieces of advice a friend told me when I was starting my business was that, you know, the first year is throwing stuff on the wall and see what sticks. And there's so many things that I did in my first year of business that I don't do now. And so it's, it's so true. You also have to be flexible and it definitely tested my ability to be flexible and ingenuitive and kind of just roll with the punches. That is also true. I mean, Knowing how you're going to generate income in your business is really important. I know a lot of people say they hate their jobs. They want to quit their job. They can't stand their boss. They want to run their business full time. But I talk to so many people who haven't figured out how they're going to make money. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the key thing. Because the last thing you want is to quit your job because you're emotional and you can't stand where you are. But then you get into business and you hate yourself even more because you, you don't have a plan. So having right. those systems you mentioned, yeah, having a way to generate income is so important. And I know there are lots of people who are listening who are working side hustles who want to transition to full time. But again, it's about having the plan and figuring out how you're going to make money. And you don't have to know all the answers, but you have to to have something in place that you can start to test out and see what's working and start to improve. Um there's so many stories of people who are like, oh, I quit my job. And then, you know, I lived in my car. And then six months later, I was a billionaire. And those are anomalies that are overhyped. And the vast majority of people are not quitting their jobs to live in their car. You don't want to live in your car. You want to have a plan. Yes. And emotions don't pay the bills. <laughs> they sure don't. And the communica- uh, communication part is really important. So um, similar to you when I was... Um, making transition, I had to have the conversation with my husband. And one of my goals was that I didn't want the transition to impact um, what my financial obligations were to my my household, my family. And so that was part of my planning out. Like, I'm going to make sure that, okay, at the very minimum, this is how much I need to be bringing in so that all these things that I contribute to are not affected and it doesn't feel like a strain because Bola wants to start this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, it's, it's all about having your approach and getting on the same page with your significant other. And so for someone who's single, what would you tell that person though? Someone who's single and doesn't really have 
a spouse to fall back on, um, you know, spouse's income, you know, mm-hmm. if worse comes to worse, how, what would you typically tell that person? Cause I know you have an awesome business course on this. Yeah. Right? Financially preparing to be your own boss. Um, and yeah, it requires even more support, like it, it not support, but even more preparation on your end. Um, and like you, you can't afford to just like emotionally go run into your business. Like you really do have to make sure you have your um, finances set aside, but also that your business is generating money because like, I hate that build it and they will come. Cause no, there's so many things on the <laughs> internet and there's so many options. Like every day I see, you know, a new Instagram account for some type of business and no, it's not build it and they will come. It is like create your strategy to bring them to buy is and so like it's a, it's twofold like your business definitely should be making money and I do want to say like all business ideas aren't great business ideas um last year I invested in a tech company and we were like it was we thought it was just going to change the game and then we got knee deep into it and we were like oh this isn't really as brilliant as the idea as we thought it was um let's go ahead and abandon the ship before we put more money in it um and sometimes that happens with your business so especially if you're single it's important to like if that is to happen, you definitely want to have enough money in savings. Um, you definitely want to have your contingency plan so that if your business doesn't work out, like how am I going to um, generate money? Um, but then you also do want to make sure that um, you are consistently generating money for your business and that you've tested the concept before you even go out there to work it full time. Yeah, and one of the things I love to say is, and I love to tell people is, don't be afraid to have a part-time job to your full-time hustle. Mm-hmm. You can, there's no shame because at the end of the day, you need to be able to pay your bills. So if you're working, if for whatever reason, you have to commit your full-time time to working on your business, then if you need to pay your bills and you're not quite breaking even or you run out of savings, whatever the case may be, you jumped before you were ready, then don't be ashamed of getting a part-time job to support you. Because at the end of the day, you want to be able to grow your business, but you want to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. And I think the stressors of not being able to pay your bills in business add on to the stress that already comes with the business. Oh, absolutely. Owner. And the fa- <laughs> the fears that always that already come with the with being a business owner. And like you said, those fears are real. I'm afraid every single day. Oh my God, I get butterflies in my stomach not because they're good butterflies, but they're because oh my God. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Right. And even if you're, even when you're like doing well, you're just kind of like, okay, got to do this. You know? How long is this going to last? Yeah, got to do this for the rest of the year, you know? And so it's, it, it, um, and having grace with yourself and understanding that that's part of the process that a lot of people go through. And I think that's where, when it's important to create a community. And so even for people who are single, um, single or in, in relationships, I think community is incredibly important because sometimes you need people who can talk to you and be like, no, you're doing a good job. And like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like I see you, I see you putting in the work. And I know that my, with my husband, that's been incredibly helpful because sometimes I'm just like, babe, this is like, I I just don't know. I'm failing it at all. And he's just like, are you serious? And sometimes he has to be that mirror to remind me, um, everything, everything that's going right. And so, um, whether it is a significant other or a community of other entrepreneurs who definitely understand the journey, that's important too. You will need support and you can't do this alone no matter what nobody said you can't do this alone no you need you need the community i have a mentor i have an accountability partner i have my husband i have a mom who doesn't really get what i do but she's all about it because she's my clever girl number one yeah. 
It's important to have those people in your in your corner because I'll be honest and tell you that I have days where I just I'm just in the pits. I'm like, oh my god, I can't do this. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. I want to cry. This is not how I imagine things. And then I have days where I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. I can do this forever. I can keep going, going, going. I don't need. I don't sleep. I don't need to sleep. Listen, you know. Yes, yes, yes. I don't feel like you're a real entrepreneur if you don't have that moment. Like you're like you, because I mean, because and it's in that moment where like you kind of you pull up your britches for lack of a better word. I feel like this North Carolina came out. Like you pull out your britches and you just really like have to refocus and be like, no, I love doing this. This is why I started doing this. Let's get back to the schedule programming. Um, and like you give yourself that moment, but I think that you come back even better when you have had that, that setback, because I think there's a certain amount of clarity that comes in that space too. Like when you realize what you don't know and what you need to know in order to improve your business versus thinking, you know, it all. And so I think those are powerful moments too. And those people in your corner will definitely help you pick yourself back up when those times come around. Cause they will come. Yeah. They'll be like, look at you, look at you, look at all you've done. And you're like, Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> like, and, um, I will say that this work, um, especially the work that we do, um, it can feel thankless sometimes too, you know, like I, I, I can't, I can't necessarily speak for you, but I know sometimes, you know, you see everything else that's going on and you're like, wow, I'm out here trying to change people's lives for the better and for the long term, And she's out here selling clothes that's going to like could potentially bankrupt somebody or take away from someone's children's fund and homegirl is a multimillionaire. And it's just like, Wow. Why do I care? Like, why did I, why, why did I sell myself some clothes or some hair or, you know, like some lipstick or something like that? Like, why do I care about some flat tummy? Right. Tea like, why do I care about creating transformative experiences <laughs> and changing lives? Um, but I think it takes special people to do this work, too. Yeah, it certainly does. And I'm glad to be in good company. Yeah, and no shade <laughs> to the women who do or the men who do. There's something for everybody. Um, but this work can feel thankless sometimes. So for Bola and I right now, when you guys send us your testimonies and how our work has helped you, you have no idea how much life that gives us because sometimes it could be that silver lining on the cloud for that day. Yeah, I love getting those messages and there's no shade to, you know, what you're doing as part of your hustle. But like you said, Tanya, sometimes I, sometimes I get like rude messages and I have to kind of like, take a deep breath and decide how I want to mm-hmm. respond because I think in this business, a lot of people feel like, and it's not just in our business, you know, for those people who are listening, they may be in similar businesses, especially when it's like service related or, you know, brands where you are the face of your brand. Sometimes people get to the space where they think you owe them a favor and there's, you know, they reach out to you and it's like, well, I need you to tell me this. I need you to do this. Mm-hmm. Let me know. Mm-hmm. For free. (laughs) But there's no, hi, Bola, how are you? Thank you for the email you sent me. There's nothing like that. Just, yeah, well, this is what I need from you. Can you answer it? (laughs) I get that all the time. And I'm like, okay. Yes. You know, don't take it personal. I always, do you, have you read the book, The Four Agreements? No, that is on my list of books to read, though. The Four Agreements is an excellent book. It helps, like especially being the kind of person that I am, I 
one of my, I guess, faults or my weaknesses is that I am quick to react sometimes. And, yeah, that's just, you know, I'm Aries. I'm an Aries. <laughs> and the four agreements just, I always have it in my mind. Number one is something about being speaking eloquently or being good with your words. Be mindful of your words. Number two is don't take anything personally. Don't. It's not about you. Number three is don't make assumptions. And number four is always do your best. And that just helps to keep me centered when I'm having experiences with people who think I owe them something when I don't owe them anything, when I'm getting the haters and the mm. trolls, <laughs> when I'm having a diff- difficult customer or diff- difficult client, like The Four Agreements, I highly recommend that book. You should read it. Those of you who are listening, check out the book. I'm definitely going to check that out because um, it's something <laughs> I had to learn, um, especially when I started my fat finance. I, I agree. Like I was quick with the response. Like to the point where I was like, you know what, Tanya, you got to delete that. Um, and uh, and <laughs> it, it is, especially in this day and age, because I do not want someone to like screenshot something and be like, look how my fat finance responded. Yeah. And so I really do have to um, step back. I think that's one of the things I've learned as a business owner is having more grace and extending more compassion to people and asking like, okay, where is this coming from? This is not necessarily an attack from on me. This is yes. possibly um, an expression of their frustration and like really stepping back um, and like, don't take it personal. Like you say, and uh, always choose your words. And I think that um, that's one of the things that I have um, really been intentional about when it comes to my fat finances, being compassionate um, and providing financial advice. Because there are some people who like use shame as a tool. And I'm like, I'm not going to shame anybody. Like we're ashamed yeah. enough. As in, um, as individuals about our financial decisions, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shame you. I'm just gonna help you understand that you can do better and you can be better. Yeah, shame is not a, pl- a playing point for me either. I'm not about shame because everybody has made mistakes, and specifically as women, we carry a lot of shame, regardless, just based on expectations the world has for our gender, and just based on how we're built. You know, whether, you know, whether we like it or not, we carry a lot of baggage with us sometimes that you don't need that when you're trying to get your finances or get your life or get your career, your relationships in order. You don't need anybody to make you feel bad about it. Like who hasn't made a mistake? Who hasn't um, done something they regret? So the compassion in in this field is really, really, really needed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, So let's kind of shift gears a little bit, Tanya. And I wanted to ask you if you don't mind sharing what have been some of your biggest challenges either with your personal finances or in business and what would you say have been your biggest successes um, I'd say one of my biggest challenges is really calculating ROI uh, on opportunities I think that sometimes uh, whether that be like with coaching with a specific person or investing in certain things for the business and just understanding like what my expectations are for it and what the return on investment will be um, that's something I continue to work on daily I think when I first got started, you know, I got assistance and so forth because you just need an assistant. You don't want to apply to those emails, but really what's the return on investment for them? Are they helping me bring more money into my business or am I putting in the work to make it make sense and make more um, money for my business? So I think that that was one of the big things early on. Um, I would say, um, um, 
And I think that personal finance and business finance is completely different. So I had to handle my personal finances when I was getting a biweekly paycheck. But when you become an entrepreneur and like your money kind of like might trickle in over the course of the two weeks, or you get like a large payday, like with a big opportunity or something like that at the top. And then you, you know, and things tend to tend to dwindle off during the month and then pick back up, like really managing my money as an entrepreneur. Um, that was something I had to step back and reassess and which is why I created financial preparing to be your own boss, because a lot of the information out there is geared toward managing finances as a traditional employee, but not as a business owner. So I would say those are two of my biggest struggles um, as I transition from personal finance to um, a entrepreneur managing her finances. Um, And then I would say my biggest successes... I mean, it's, a, it's. I think we have to celebrate our small wins, but one of my biggest successes was like I accumulated um, debt when I was in my abusive relationship in college and I did not, I was just ignoring it. Um, and I got to a place where I paid off all of that debt and it felt so wonderful to release the baggage that came from that relationship because I felt like whenever I looked at my credit report or anything and saw that debt, it was just like a reminder. It was like, it was a trigger. Like it would take me back to that place of where I was when I created it. Um, so, uh, definitely eliminating that, um, getting to a place where I could afford to bring on two, um, two other women or well, three, I have a team of three who support me. So like helping other women to pay their bills is a big, um, success for me and paying them on time. Like the fact that I pay them on time every month, <laughs> but helping them conduct their lives so that they can be like, one of them is a mother, um, and like creating a space where she can be a, um, a present parent because it's like, okay, you can't get to this today. We'll get to it tomorrow. Go ahead to like and do what you need to do with your children. But also knowing that it allows her um, autonomy from her finding her situation with her husband and allows her to create an income because traditionally she'd be a housewife. Um, and so I, f- I feel like that's one of my biggest successes too, is just getting to the place where I could afford to pay other women and like pour into their dreams and allow them to do things that they want to do. That's awesome. And your business is is giving you those options and giving you that freedom to be able to help other people. And, you know, ultimately business is having your own business is is one of three ways to build wealth, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're doing that. So that's awesome. (laughs) So folks who are listening, I'm going to be putting a link to um, Tanya's course that she mentioned financially becoming financially prepared to be your own boss. I'm going to put that in the show notes if you want to go check it out. Um, so let's talk a little bit about when you are working with women in your tribe, um, and what you see being some of the major issues holding women back when it comes to, um, becoming successful with their finances. Ooh, um, um, I know the word it's on the tip of my tongue and it's really, um, Avoiding, I think that a lot of people assume their situation is worse than it is. And so overall, they don't even get started. They just avoid because they assume they need all this work or have to put all this work in. And I would say that's one of the biggest things is like um, just avoiding and not communicating with the creditors and not um, not getting started on their financial journey. Um, 
And then I see like comparison. I see a lot of comparison and living for others instead of living for yourself. Um, whether that is allowing others to dictate what your financial goals are or what they, or to dictate what your financial moves are. So it's like, you know that you don't have this in your budget, but you want to do this because like you want to appear a certain way on social media. And I think that, um, that is a big mistake that I see a lot of people make. I mean, even for myself, like I wanted to take a vacation a little while back and me and my husband, we moved cross country from New York to Los Angeles and I wanted to take a vacation. And I remember just like being kind of just like being upset that we weren't able to take a vacation. And I was just like, Tanya, where's this coming from? And it was just like, I had to log off of social media because that's how everybody's taking these extravagant vacations. And it was like, you know what, Tanya, that's not what's, that's not, it's not time for you yet. Um, so yeah. That, I think those are two things I yeah. see. Comparison is a thief of joy. And I'll tell you that you're not a human being if you don't sometimes get a tinge where you're like, oh my God, I wish that was me. But on a serious note, I think this is something that's applicable to anybody. If you are trying to focus on paying off your debt, saving money, whatever your focus is on doing better at work, you have to minimize distractions. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was first starting my business and I had people telling me, why would you do that? You make six figures. You know, why do you want to start your own business? Don't you have a husband who works? And I was like, you're, you guys are not going to get in the way of what I want to accomplish. You're not going to put mm -hmm. like little messages in my mind of self-doubt. Mm -hmm. And so I started to shift my time away from these people um, because they were distracting. And so when you get in that space where you're trying to do something to change your life, change your finances, you have to minimize the distractions. Mm -hmm. So what kind of corrective actions do you think that women can make if they find themselves in this space? So I talked about limiting distractions, but what else can they be doing if they find themselves in this kind of space? Um, other things they can do, uh, limiting distractions, um, being crystal clear on what your financial goals are, because I feel like with in the uh -huh. absence of financial goals and you're just working towards like, you don't have a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You don't know when you're doing well, you don't have a barometer to say, Hey, you're like, so that you can check it with yourself and say, Hey, you're on target or wait, Hey girl, you're totally off target. And I think that that's one of the important aspects of having financial goals is, um, is it holds you, it gives you something to work towards and it holds you accountable and lets you know, like if you're not doing what you need to do to meet those goals. Um, so I think that is important. Um, I think that, um, like letting go of the shame, letting go of the shame of where of getting to that place of where you were I mean I know that in the past like I I had to say like even as a business owner but I, I have to say Tanya I forgive you for when you feel like you wasted time like when you felt like you weren't as productive as you should have been um when it comes to your business and I think that people can do that when it comes to money like giving yourself permission to forgive yourself for when you feel like you weren't as good with your money as you should have been um, so it's the, uh, we talk about how we extend grace to our audience, but also extending grace to yourself. Yes. Uh, I think that's important. Um, and uh, figuring out, trying some things out and figuring out what works for you. So like, you know, like the zero-based budgeting model might not work for you. Yeah. Um, using an app to budget might not work for you. Like, so f trying different things out and figuring out what works for you. Like not feeling the need to put yourself in a certain box because like, your favorite expert says it. There might be other schools of thought that work better for you and allowing yourself to try those things out. Yeah, finding what works for you and making what you're trying to accomplish easy for you to accomplish. That is excellent advice. I love that. Um, so I have a couple more questions for you. Um, 
you talked about your relationship with your husband and communication. And would you say that that is one of the things that help you guys manage your finances successfully? And what else would you say helps you guys when it comes to managing your money as a couple, as a team? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our, our communication is really spectacular. Um, and I feel like, uh, like we do regular check-ins. We like, we do, and bo- both of us are entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. And so we have to do regular check-ins like, babe, how are you doing? I see you working. Our invoices coming in. Like uh, what, what's, what's going on with you? Um, because that's like a real thing. Like you can, you can do $14,000 worth of work. And they don't pay you, you know, like, so we, we really do have to check in with each other um, regarding that. But also what our financial goals are. Um, we do know living in California, we do know that we would like to buy a home within the next two years here. And we know what that entails. So like all of our goals right now are towards that. And we, we check in with each other when we're going to make a big decision. It's like, hey, babe, do you like we both know that we need to do this. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't go on the trip or maybe we should do this or maybe we should do Thanksgiving um, at home this year. Or like, so we definitely do communicate with each other um, consistently and almost annoyingly. Sometimes <laughs> like, I don't even want to talk about this right now, but we need to talk about it. Um, so I, I, that definitely has been, and creating that space, you know, um, I don't, some people are naturally inquisitive, like myself, like I'm just going to ask the questions, but some people are naturally forthcoming. Um, and I think that that takes work over the course of your relationship too, is creating that space where you, you understand that your, your partner is asking these questions to make you better financially, to improve your financial situation, not to shame you or have dominance over you. And I feel like if there is that concern, then that's a red flag. And if you have that red flag, um, I'm not saying leave him or her, I'm just saying, Red flags happen for a reason, um, and I think they're usually, like, our, our sign from God. And that, um, like, maybe you need to just be making sure you, you are taking a little extra precaution to plan for yourself. Um, so, Prepare. yeah, like, really, like, plan plan for yourself. And, and I know it's, it, it sounds, sounds a little, a little I, don't I don't know, crazy, crazy to say to prepare because people don't like to attach – they don't like to think about the hard side of money when things are not going right. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, if you're in a relationship that's not working out and you know you're going to get out, you want to get out, you need to start planning for yourself. And that's just the truth of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to protect yourself. And I saw way too much of that growing up with my mom's friends. My mom got married really young. And, you know, traditional households back then where the man was the breadwinner, the mom was a stay-at-home mom, didn't know anything about the family finances, and so many instances of friends. I would listen to her friends' conversations about, oh, my God, I don't know where the money is. I have nowhere to go. I have no this. I have no that. And you don't ever want that to be you, ever, 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 ever. Mm-hmm. So if you're in that space, if you're listening and you're in that space where you're in a relationship and you're like, this is not, this is not working for me, and I'm not encouraging, you know, dissolution of relationship but sometimes it happens you know sometimes things don't work out and if you're in that space you want to prepare and don't feel guilty about it don't feel bad about it yet yeah being realistic yeah being realistic like um you know I was married before my husband and one of the things that I did realize in that situation was just like um with my ex with like the ex-husband um was like I wasn't happy and it, it wasn't that I wasn't happy because of um, like anything shallow. I wasn't happy because I just wanted. 
it, I wanted more, um, more peace. And like I, the person that I was with uh-huh. wasn't genuinely a good person. Um, to me, I won't say genuinely to others, but to me, um, wasn't a good person to me. And like, I had to get over feeling like a failure because it wasn't my fault. He was the one who was like a jerk and it wasn't my fault. Um, and I think that especially with women, we place blame when a relationship doesn't work. We place that blame on ourselves. Um, and that doesn't help you either. I'm not saying don't be accountable for like your, your contribution to the degradation of the relationship. But what I am saying is like, that's not your entirely your burden to bear. Very true. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, Tanya, and I, I could keep you on the phone forever. <laughs> but it's been such a pleasure talking to you. But before I let you go, you have to tell me, um, what is your Clever Girl superpower? My Clever Girl superpower <laughs> is, oh, I know you asked me this last time, and I feel like it's going to be different this time because it's so <laughs> off the cuff. Um, Oh, so I can give, I can tell you one. Your yeah, fabulous, tell me, tell me your, your, your fabulous hair. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my <laughs> hair is my trademark, and now that I have a protective style on, aka a wig, people are like, "Tanya, that's you." Um, um, you have hair <laughs> goals. You. Hair goals. Hashtag thank hair goals. You. Um, and I would say that um, my resilience. Um, I, I I often say like I don't look like what I've been through, um, and I think that there the more the more the older we get we learn how people cope with things and so forth and I am very um proud of how I've coped with um the setbacks in my life and not allowed them to define me and I think that that that's a superpower it's just like defining yourself and owning your power and not allowing your external factors to define you and that's so important and thank god we don't look like what we've been through otherwise we would be looking yeah. So how can folks um, keep in touch with you? How can they find you? Where are you on the internet? I am uniformly branded as MyFab Finance on all social media platforms. So um, Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook as MyFab Finance. And then I do have my personal site, which I have launched, which is, um, well, TanyaRapley.com. And I have my personal Instagram where I share more about me, the woman behind the business. Um, found that I had a gluten allergy earlier this year so how like I'm like black and southern and dealing with a gluten allergy um, but also a busy Uh um, female entrepreneur and so um, and like a wife and I'm preparing to grow our family and so I share a lot of those insights yeah (laughs) I share a lot of those (laughs) insights on the blog and I did check out TanyaRapley.com, and it is awesome. So you guys have to check it out. And I'll be putting the links to her sites and her Instagram in the show notes so you can check it out. Thanks so much, Bola. So, thank you so much, Tanya. This has been such a pleasure. I appreciate you being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And I'm happy that this went well, um, the second recording. And I appreciate your <laughs> tenacity. Like, no, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make it work, girl. <laughs> I appreciate you. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening into this fun episode that I recorded with Tanya. And if you did love what you listened to, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Stitcher. And you can also listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube and search Clever Girl Finance. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll be back with a new episode soon.